0: Hello and thank you for listening in to this special segment of the Pops Podcast series where I sit down with Heather Danik, Lauren Morgan, and Anthony Zobeck live from the Illinois Communication and Theater Association 2022 Convention from the College of DuPage. Anthony, Lauren, and Heather give us an update from their previous 2019 Pops Podcast episode where they're, at the time, were working on a bill to enable public speaking to be a greater part of the Illinois curriculum. It's been a pleasure to sit down with these three. They are incredible educators, incredible workers, and it's been a lot of fun joining them at ICTA this year and really meeting everyone that's involved in this group. It's it's wonderful to see educators come together and share their passions, and I think with these three, And the update that they provide on what they were able to accomplish with ultimately creating a law in Illinois, it really goes as a testament to the power of communication and the power of what coming together and having perseverance can do and what truly can be accomplished. So thank you for listening in and enjoy.
1: I'm Heather Danick and I teach at the Community High School, and I've been there for 24 years. I think this is like my 26th year teaching. Um, so I teach speech comm, honors comm, I
2: teach some acting classes, and I teach dual credit speech as well. So I'm Lauren Morgan. I am a professor of speech communication at College of DuPage, which is a community college in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, I have been at my current position for 25 years, but I taught high school for eight years before then, and in the middle of that was grad school. So all told, I've been teaching for 35 years, and at the end of August 2023, I'll retire from the classroom. Um, And I teach uh, primarily our basic course, so the general education speech 1100 class at my college. I also teach a lot of small group. I teach in a lot of learning communities, so I do a lot of co-teaching. I teach leadership development, and I also, uh, for many years, ran our speech and debate program. So I was doing the competitive speech circuit for a long time. And I did that both at the high school level and the college level.
3: Uh, Anthony Zobeck, high school teacher. I teach at Bartlett High School out in King County, Illinois. I think this is my 17th year as a teacher, uh, based on the retirement age. I keep joking around with my wife that all of the COVID babies will be in the very last senior class I ever (laughs) teach. Because I teach senior English, um, speech debate, I coach the speech team. This year I'm also tackling American Lit and uh, dual credit senior English.
2: Oh, and I should mention as a department chair, I am, Uh, in the process of working with one of our districts to get I believe it's 11 sections of dual credit happening next fall.
0: I think I told you all last time that's how my public speaking experience started in education the dual credit course so I really believe in those I think it's great to have that Mm -hmm. on the high school level. It's funny I was listening to our podcast from last time and everybody's years have gone up by three. Uh (laughs) It just seems like a of a time. blip right yep. it really
1: does yeah yeah
0: and at the same time like I said a whole different life from what's happened in the last three years but yeah. so tell us a little bit about or a lot about <laughs> what has happened in those last three years and the bill that you all were working on at that time what has happened
1: that bill failed
0: here's
3: <laughs> here's <laughs> uh, but not
1: spectacularly it just failed it it failed kind of in a, a a very um, climactic way. We felt like, it, oh, we've really got some steam now. We're going to forge right ahead. And then it just kind of got to a place and hit a wall. And they call it being bricked. So we were bricked pretty pretty soon uh, after we had made some progress. In your, term. Break, <laughs> yeah.
3: in your term, bricked. In the last podcast, you said um, you would... The stall we were saying, I think the language we use was it's it stalled in committee mm-hmm. and that there are there were legislators who had legitimate concerns about language amongst other things, I think is what we said. And th- correct me if I'm not, shortly after the podcast that uh, Heather and I went and talked to one of the uh, senators who bricked it about that language that was in it and intention and purpose. And while it was very climactic and I think we joked around, it felt like a after school special uh, the way that it was going. I will say that discussions about the language of what should be in the legislation, even though that kind of brought the first piece of legislation to a dramatic end, was beneficial in a way, because understanding the legal ease is what got a new version of the bill. Uh, A better version of the bill and certainly a clearer one brought to the floor the following year.
1: And I think one outgrowth from that meeting that we had with that one particular senator who was a chair of a committee that could choose to move that bill forward or or stop it in its tracks, the outgrowth of that was she originally when we went to her um, or when the bill was brought to her for her committee's consideration, she was like I don't know. This doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. So no, I'm not going to pass this through. And so when we sat down and talked with her, then it became clear she actually was on our side. And she, because at one point she said to us, all right, let's find a way to make this happen. But what you've brought to me is not going to work. This is, this will go nowhere. So let's figure out a way to do this. So while initially that felt like, Oh my gosh! This is this is kind of brought everything to a screeching halt. It actually was the catalyst, and it was kind of beyond that point then that we brought in some other resources, um, some other people within the state who could help us navigate that ease. And I, without the help of those other people, I, I would not. We would not
0: have known where to go. What is a good example of something that would just stop it in its tracks in the form that you have brought to her?
1: Um, well, the mandate, so a mandate, um, legislators in Illinois, I don't know if this is true everywhere, but anything that says you must, you will, or, you know, this, this is what has to happen goes nowhere. Yeah. So, and in fact, we watched <clears throat> the vote and I can't remember which iteration of the bill it was, but I was watching it. House. I was watching it live on, um, the, because it was during COVID and they were having a Zoom session or whatever, and you could, so the senators were all in their, uh, or the House members were all in their living rooms or in their cars or whatever, zooming in their votes. And I was watching it live, and one of the the sponsor of the bill at that point uh, brought it forth for a vote, and then another member asked, is this a mandate? And she said, no, this is not a mandate. And she was very, very clear about that. And she explained again what the bill would do and then that member said okay as long as it's not a mandate
3: and the part of the you know the first version of the bill just used the term speech speech debate without any anything beyond that as if it's a general topic like you'd say a music class Mm -hmm. or an art class and i think that meeting with the senator who initially bricked the bill she said Just like the, pardon me, the first legislator that Lauren and I spoke to said, I need a little of this research, I need a little of that research. This other senator who bricked the bill said, I need you to talk to these people because what I think they're going to say is this. And we spoke to them and we're able to bring back to her, actually, this is, is what we gathered. Okay, but what about this? Talk about ISBE's language at Illinois State Board of Education, so we found that language and we were able to uh, bring that back to her and we got the Illinois Education Association, uh, the, the largest teachers union in the state involved because their head lobbyist in Springfield, worked directly with this senator. And so instead of it being a back and forth with Heather and me to an assistant in that legislator's office, we kind of had a, uh, a midway point who was seeing her on a daily basis. So while the first bill was bricked, like Heather said, we, she, the, that senator did want to do something for us we were at even more of an advantage because instead of having to send an email directly to that senator and wait a week or two, we now had somebody who was seeing her every single day in Springfield and that made things considerably not easier. I don't wanna make it sound like it was easy, but um, what would you say?
2: It facilitated it. Yes. It it really facilitated the process. I mean, I I think about, you know, going into this endeavor, and Anthony and Heather did all the heavy lifting. I literally sat in the background and just kind of listened to when they called and said, yes, keep going, and what do you need, and how can I help? And um, from my perspective, going into this, since I'm the one who said, let's do some advocacy, and I have this idea about a bill, and they said yes, was, it was sort of like those old, um, Judy Garland movies where they're like, we have a barn, let's put on a play. I mean, it was, we just went in with this sort of innocent enthusiasm about we think we can make this work. And it was a deep dive into the intricacies of the legislative process. And we learned pretty quickly that where you start is going to be morphed and changed a lot by your legislators and at some point we just had to follow their lead right and i think we also had these really serendipitous things happen right the fact that you know heather knew her local legislator from some community event kinds of things you know the fact that anthony knew the president of the illinois education association through a family relationship right i mean and we just were really uh i'd say inquisitive open willing to do whatever it took so when things started to feel like they were out of our hands and out of our control in so many ways we just sort of said okay go with it let's ride the wave and see what happens
1: we had to trust and that once the iea got involved they they knew the way through right? That in a way that we did not. And so we just had to. And it seemed slow. Even once the IEA got involved, it was it was a slow-moving
3: process. We, we were warned. Oh, that, yes, that, and we that, were warned that that, that could That go go-between was like, look, we're going to help you out. But I'm going to tell you, and he leaned in, this process is slow. Yeah. it was very honest. But
1: it was great because we we could reach out to him and we could say – you know, what do you need from us? And he would say, nothing, just sit tight, I'll be in touch. But it was really, I mean, having the knowledge to know that when a bill came through, that, that uh, language got uh, produced, that it was going to be something that was going to do what we had hoped, which was get speech into the school code. And also it was going to be something that the legislators could and would support. And that it was something that would stick. And that was what was really important to us. So we just had to trust that there was there were uh, people who were on our side and they were working with us and they, they wanted to help us and they did. They absolutely did.
2: You know, I think it's also a great lesson in the fact that your legislators really do want to do good. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I teach this class every four years when the presidential election happens and I teach with a political science professor and an English professor and we call it decision whatever the year is so decision 2024 um and we um really talk about that legislative process and we talk about the political science professor really talks about and I've taught with two of them how we have this perception that our legislators often are corrupt, that the government is you know, just a mess and nothing's happening. And I think going through this process, we learned that's not really true. I mean, do those things happen? Sure, I mean the first senator that we worked with is now in jail. Yeah. <laughs> so we were like you know we were like, whoops, so we, uh, apparently that was the wrong guy. that um, mm-hmm. happened but yeah, but well, <laughs> but in the process there was a, there was just so much actually good stuff. And I think it was really surprising along the way to talk to legislators, one who would say things like, I'm sorry, you mean speech isn't a requirement in the high school? I thought it was. I mean, that was consistent, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody we
1: talked to initially was like, what do you mean this isn't there? I thought it always was there.
0: Well, that's what we talked about last yeah. time, too. And we talked about how it's not even always there on the college level
2: mm-hmm. anymore. Right, Yeah, right, right. So, so I think it also was a Uh, just a really powerful example of collaboration too i mean there was like i said i was sort of sitting in the background but i mean i'm getting phone calls i have this vivid 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 memory of being on i don't even know where i was headed but being on the highway, my husband's driving and Anthony and I were on the phone. I think I was on my way to the airport to go to a conference or something. And we're on the phone because something legislatively had happened. And so I think it was when we got the IEA connections. And so Anthony's explaining to me everything that's happening, right? And, and it was just sort of a random day, but it was this like intense <laughs> conversation where he was like, okay, let's make sure you understand what's happening so that when we need to make the next step, we can all just sort of get together. And we spent a lot of late nights texting and calling and doing the groundwork that has to happen to get this process.
1: Well, and I I think once it was in the hands of, of the legislators and the IEA, and they were kind of handling that portion of it, our focus really shifted then to what do we need to do for teachers? Mm-hmm. Because you know, at, at that point, we had, I think it was the third iteration of the bill, right? Because the first one got bricked, the second one COVID killed. We were about to go for, yeah, that was the bill that COVID killed. We were about to get a vote on um, March 17th. that was going to go to the Senate, I think. It was going to get voted out of committee in the Senate. And then we knew it was going to be okay in the House because we kind of started with the House. And we we had been told like hey we're going to usher this thing through so um, that vote was scheduled for March seventeenth and the world shut down on March fifteenth
3: uh, so and, and I I had to uh, they wanted me and by they I mean the Senate Education Committee wanted me to go down there and testify before their committee just talking about teacher licensure okay to like. So you're saying they, they needed it iterated for the third time. So you're saying that speech isn't required even for some teachers. Yeah. And that was um, the week before the state shut down. Yeah. And my wife and I both went down there and we had to wait for this committee meeting to start. And all these emergency hearings were taking place about how the state was going to handle COVID if it became a problem. Yeah. And we were like, ah nothing they're all handling it down here we were really naive but yeah
2: until. actually yeah. i think that's when when i was talking to you on the phone okay was that yeah because all of a sudden when you said that i was like oh i literally have this picture of being on this overpass <laughs> like yeah. what wait what what's happening yeah. you know so we were we were kind of in the know on a, a few things before the rest of the yeah. world yeah. Was yeah.
3: In the- you know? the, the head of the IDPH <clears throat> in Illinois Department of Health was testifying yep. in a hearing. Mm-hmm. And so the Senate Education Committee meeting went and somebody from the IEA said, do you want a nice little tour around? Yeah, we'll show you some of the inner workings of the state capitol that you don't get to normally see. I said, sure. And they showed us this underground layer where senators and house reps used to park their horses underground. Mm-hmm. So that during the late 1800s, early 1900s, if somebody was angry at their legislator, they couldn't come steal their horse. And they made a joke, yeah, previous governors, this was their escape route when they wanted to get away from <laughs> the, the press. Now let's go see what another hearing looks like. And they brought us into this one hearing, and it was the head of the IDPH Grilling someone uh, who is on a health related committee, and that person said, Oh, doctor, it's fine, we've got this under control. We hope, we hope, we hope. And the doctor leaned in and said, You cannot do a statistical analysis of hope. And that's (laughs) when our tour guide was, Whoa, whoa, we've got to get out of here now. Let's (laughs) go, let's (laughs) go.
1: But when we um you know as i was saying once we got it got to that point and anthony had gone down and and um given his testimony at the hearing and all of that then we had to really kind of switch gears and start thinking about okay when this happens because now we were on the well that one COVID killed it but then that they we had been um assured the next year the next legislative cycle we were going to try again mm-hmm. so third time's a charm and so then it was we stopped talking about if we can get some legislation, but when this passes. So our language changed, our mindset changed, and then it was like, all right, we need to start preparing, because we knew there was some, some reticence, I guess, in the, within um, some of our own communities regarding yeah. the bill. And so we knew we needed to, we needed to start sh- the kind of thinking about how this bill could really help those people who were hesitant to believe that it could help them. And so figuring out a way to show teachers, this is why this is good for you. This is how this is going to help you. This is how it matters to me in my district where speech is required and remains to be a requirement for graduation. And we have, I don't even know, like 26, probably even more than that, sections of speech taught per year on three different levels. Plus, we have a debate course that students can take. So we have a lot of speech courses at Minooka. Um, or schools like uh, some other people that we just saw at our convention where there was this one woman who talked in one of the sessions and she said, I get two sections in the fall and then nothing in the spring because the only kids who take it are the senior early grads because they just need something to fill a semester. And so she said, how can I use this now to, to um, springboard and get more sections of speech? And so, you know, there's all kinds of different situations. So we really had to think about what could we do
3: to support teachers in
1: no matter what their situation uh, in their
3: districts. And I mean, I go back to the advantageousness of this taking longer than expected. Even that version of the bill that was stopped in 2020 got some language tweaking over the course of a summer. Where uh, legal assistance with the senator who brought it to the table for us the second time around, she had several paralegals look into it, and as we were doing what Heather was talking about, you know, people within the uh, communication education community saying, "Well, what about this?" "Well, what about this?" They were able to tweak the language of the bill just a little bit more to address additional concerns, which I think was also it was a good thing that. It was the second to last draft, it just needed one more. And so that time period was addressing collegial concerns, but also being able to report that back to the people who would be revising a third and final version of that bill.
2: Right.
1: And if you read the bill, like how it reads in the school code, it's confusing. Like, and and so it's like, if, if this and subsection A, blah, 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 subsection six or whatever, so, it needed some explanation even for us. And so a a large portion of the messaging that we were trying to get out to just even the members in our organization was just how that that clause helped them. So like somebody for me, that clause basically said, if you're already requiring speech as a graduation requirement, you can't double dip. You can't go in and use this in some other way. It's, you've already got your graduation requirements set and then if somebody said, well, we're gonna try and take your requirement and we're gonna move it to this because we've got this interpretation of the bill, it basically says like, well, that really isn't to your advantage to do that because you already have a good thing going, so leave it where it is. And so that, that subsection that kind of ended up as being part of the bill brought some p- protection mm-hmm. for uh, schools like mine where speech is required and will remain required. For graduation people
2: people were really <clears throat> members in our own organization were afraid i mean they were just afraid that something was going to be taken away from them by whatever legislation was being created so you know we spent a lot of time not just advocating with legislators but advocating with our colleagues mm-hmm. and our peers and our members of our organization to try to help them understand this is not a threat to you but like Anthony said if we weren't listening to that dissension sometimes and concern we would have missed a really valuable piece of information that actually as Anthony said helped propel that legislation forward right and enabled us to really um, I think also understand sometimes what legislators were saying and what their concerns were because we were kind of at times getting it from both sides, right? So um, I think, again, innocently, having the idea to even do this, just to, from my personal perspective, right, was a no brainer. I'm like, I don't understand, I'm not sure I understand how someone couldn't see the benefits, right? Um, and it's because I'm a believer
3: Right? I was going to say, Lauren, you've made two comments now where you're like, we "We're." I was just the cheerleader. You were the sensei. No. Okay? I, let's, let's make that clear, right? No. When, when Heather was eating popcorn and I was, you know, st- stress-drinking my club sodas, right. we like, now, now listen. And I was like, okay, bow to the sensei. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, just,
2: and that, I mean, but that that was kind of my job often, I think, was to listen to their concerns and say, and let's do it anyway. Well, let's give it a try. I mean, if we're going to fail, let's fail spectacularly, yeah. <laughs> you know, because we'll be able to learn something from that. Um, but I'll tell you something: the three of us just—and I—I don't think I've ever truly experienced this, to my recollection, in this, in the way that happened, in in doing this work. Was we really did believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so much of what we were doing the whole time was bolstering each other with f- faith, hope. We're taping it together with bubble gum. I mean, like... It's going it's to like be okay. Just, yeah, it's going to be okay. We're going to get be okay. this done. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going.
3: With, with intellectual curiosity. Yes. 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 There was never, never, never a point where one of us was like, well, you know, with that kind of tone, it was like, well, let's think about this. Let's find all the different, you know, the the different ways that this could go. Let's figure them all out together and address them versus, you know, sometimes you have that situation where I have the right answer and that's that. It was never like that. It was always can we all think about the different ways this could affect a hundred different things so we can be prepared for it and, and address it whether it was with a legislator or a colleague or a, a, an, an administrator who might have questions. We just kept wanting to find answers versus assuming we already had them. And I didn't mean interrupt you. No, I'm no, like, no, no. A, that to me was a huge component was three lifelong learners yeah. wanting to learn in addition to move forward.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of, I think with the legislators, as I listened to the experience that Heather and Anthony were having, um, a lot of us saying, well, help, help us understand. Help us, you know, help me understand how that process works. Help me understand what it is is you're. we need to be aware of or help me understand what it is we need to know. And, you know, as, as I was listening to both of you talk about language, right? I mean, as communication teachers, you know, I can't help but think about how much we... Um, did a deep dive on verbal communication and just what do words mean and learning that legislators are very, very careful. I mean, you know, as a public citizen, I might look at a piece of legislation and think, why would they use that language? But to, to go through the process and learn how careful they are to Um, not say something in writing, that puts something in in code that encodes legislation or encodes a rule that does harm. Now, it might do harm. I'm not saying that's not gonna happen, but they're very conscientious about, um, and again, considering those multiple perspectives. Well, if you say it this way, this group over here is gonna come back with this response, right? I think that that um, was in some ways surprising I just don't believe actually that most of our citizenry understands how hard legislators work like that is one thing I worked away walked away with was you know they work hard and they are embroiled in really sometimes difficult conversations of which we experience some of that. Right. right.
3: Um, when you know, Heather mentioned she was watching the streaming of the uh, the committee meetings, and I was able to listen to them while I was teaching speech debate. So I would work some of those <laughs> hearings in. But there was a there was a point where the bill was going to come up to a vote. And I go, okay, I'm going to listen in. Sometimes I was recording it on an old school cassette player. Uh, the batteries would have come in handy. <laughs> um, and they would just, a bill would come up about something education-oriented, like... Should we build, uh, what was it, recess, a mandatory recess into our schools? They debated that for three days, okay? Mm -hmm. But not in some Saturday Night Live, oh, listen to those silly politicians. People were bringing up through this debate from session to session and session, uh, which delayed our bill. Things about teacher contracts, insurance when you have kids doing recess what if there's no playground etc so forth and this thing that I thought was kind of silly like why are they debating recess a hundred different legitimate concerns about how it would affect adults and more importantly children came to the forefront and that doesn't happen unless those legislators care yeah you know what I mean they weren't wasting time and that particular bill I was following along just for fun uh anticipating our bill would come up just made sense that they wanted that language for something that seemed as simple Mm -hmm. as recess to benefit teachers and make sure kids were safe what would they have access to and just one example i mean there were several hundred bills that came up and i listened to quite a few but that one in particular shocked me and put in perspective our bill when it came up that after three years of this process, people were going to answer, ask ask, and answer the right questions for, like Lauren was saying, altruistic reasons and not just to waste time. Right. Yeah. Well, everybody, you hear the word gridlock all of
0: the time in a negative connotation, but really that's the way the system was designed to yes. bog down until a, as close to possible perfect resolution can yeah. or a compromise can be right. came to or mm-hmm. not.
2: Right, right. You know, um, I I just, this last time I taught this class about the presidential election and government, and I mean, it's all the basic courses that we're teaching. Um, my colleague, Maureen Heffern Panicki, who teaches political science, really, really emphasized in a way I hadn't seen with my, the, my previous co-teacher, um, the, this idea of compromise. You know, that the whole government is structured on Not a single person is gonna get just what they want. Okay. It is built to force you to compromise. And I think the that, like you said, that gridlock really in some ways is intentionally designed to slow the process. So people can't make knee jerk reactions mm-hmm. that without really thinking through the consequences or really considering multiple perspectives, right? And I understand that people are frustrated by that, but having been through that process, I have deeper appreciation for what our government does.
0: I forget which president recently said it. It may have been Obama, but he said, the presidential role, you're the captain of a large ship with a very tiny rudder.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I like what our current president said when people were asking why is this bill taking so long. U.S. people are finally getting to see how the sausage is made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, and we had a front row seat to that through the last three years. So one of my good friends at my school, Nicole Bullock, is a she teaches sociology, government, um, and and AP government. And so she's always said, like, I want you to come into my class and just talk to kids because I can tell them. Um, she can tell them you know how the legislative process works but having been through it you know i have a different perspective now too and just kind of so yeah i think we we were lucky in some ways because sure we had some connections we were tenacious we didn't give up we get along like we're really good friends so that made it really easy and pleasant like when i would go a couple of weeks and i hadn't heard anything about the bill i would start to go into a little bit of like cell phone denial. Like, why is Anthony not calling me? Why why is Laura not sending me a text? I, Why do I not know what's going on? And so I would send them some kind of a joke or some kind of a meme or something goofy. And then all of a sudden, boy, I would get, Mm -hmm. I'd be up till one o'clock in the morning that Mm -hmm. night texting back and forth or on a phone call. So, um, but she's, she's like, you know, the kids don't really understand what it takes to get through that civic process. And, so I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe now that now that we have a, an end result, at least to the legislative side of things, I'll get an invitation to her classroom to come be her guest speaker.
2: Well, and I, I, you know, the fact that you just said civic it goes back to. I mean, the, this whole thing started because the senator who's now in prison came <laughs> to talk to my class okay. in twenty sixteen about. Legislate, he said, I helped high school educators get civics back in the high school curriculum through legislation. And I literally almost jumped out of my chair. I was like, Wait a minute, what? We can do that? Okay. Yeah. That's, what, I think that's it. I think that's the answer. And I have always been accused of being very Pollyanna ish. I am sort of that, like, gee whiz, we can totally make this happen, right? Yeah. But this—that was really the first time on a—I don't know—that I was so willing to take the risk Mm -hmm. because I just believed so deeply in the value of communication education. I just could—I just couldn't let it go. I'm like, I can't. can't, And at that point, I wasn't really—I was thinking about retiring, but that wasn't really a reality yet. Mm -hmm. But I thought, oh my gosh, I cannot leave unless I at least give this a try, try, right? I just have to try. And we were just, I was just so lucky to get these two.
3: There was karma. We have said there's just some some weird karmic force that brings weird little parts of the puzzle together. You met the senator presenting, and you were like, hey, we got to get together with this guy. And I replied... That guy is at my school right now as principal for a day. You right, want right, me to right. grab him during lunch? I mean, I didn't even know, know you were going to this thing with him. You didn't know he was showing up in my school. And suddenly, within this 24-hour period, I mean, these mini stars aligned. Mm-hmm. You know? And that just kept happening over and over and over again. And then at
1: that year's convention, you two started, you did a presentation about advocacy because you had started working with him. And then I had sort of started chatting you up because uh-huh. I thought this lady's cool and I want to be her friend. And so I, <laughs> I started, um, I was chatting you up and uh, you were like, you know what, you'd be good. Why don't you come to this meeting we're having later? So I went and then, and then um, after that convention was when I, I was like, I'm going to get Lauren's number off the website and I'm going to call her and I'm just going to say this thing and yeah, I did. I was like, hey, I, we talked a little bit, and I was just wondering, like, do you think this would be a good idea? And she's like, yeah, yeah, try it. What do you, you know?
2: Yeah, let's just try.
1: So um, that was kind of how the three of us sort of came together. But, I mean, now even looking, there's been other legislative advancements that are not, were never part of our, mm-hmm. like, initial goal, but have actually worked to aid us. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, some things that have happened like kind of um, changing some of the requirements in high schools with uh and 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 how much elective time for elective courses students will have so this other bill that's happened has kind of and and in correlation our bill putting speech as a, a possible elective requirement then that puts speech at a priority position as a course students will take so that's where it helps some students. So as their elective course options and time for elective shrinks as we move from through the next five years, um, speech gets bumped to the top of the list because it's one of the the choices that kids can make to fulfill a different requirement. So um, that that was kind of serendipitous. Um, And looking at the way in Illinois schools are judged on their quality, uh, having communication courses or kids involved in communication or how or performance based um, courses or activities can give schools a way to market themselves or communities a way to market themselves as attractive to home buyers and potential taxpayer, taxpayers to that community. And so that's an added benefit if schools can show that we're getting kids into these programs and we're doing this thing these schools can then, they have a reason to um, kind of give themselves a, a better snapshot on the uh, in the state. It's called the Illinois State Report Card. Right. Um, and so that that helps us as well. And so we're, we're trying as an advocacy group now with our, our own members, we're trying to point out all of these connections that people can use as they as they go to their districts, they go to their curriculum instructors, they go to their their department chairs, wherever, to say, this is why we need speech. This is why we need more speech. This is why I need training. And um, there was a woman yesterday in or two days ago in one of the sessions i was in well we were it was in our advocacy session and she said well i i took i took the materials that i had received and i showed my print my principal I, I showed him here's the bill here's the law here's the language and he said yeah okay thanks for this and he kind of tossed it to the side and so my advice to her was, you know, you have to find your way in. You, it's, not, it's going to be incremental. It was incremental for us with the legislation. It's going to be incremental for you from a homegrown advocacy side of things. So you need to really think about what can you do to showcase yourself, your students, your curriculum, what's going on in your class. And then you're just going to have to chip away, chip away.
3: And I had a follow-up conversation with that The person you're talking to uh, at lunch, because she sat at our table. And I don't know why, but the analogy that I came up with was it's kind of like an old paint by numbers, you know, coloring book, okay? The legislation connected all these different black and white lines together, that they interweave, they interconnect, they are to the the benefit of teachers. You can't expect that that picture is going to have all the colors for you right? The legislation needs to be, you have to fill in the colors. Here are some resources. We're giving you the crayons or the pencils. When you're having those meetings with your principal or your curriculum director, you got to go in with one crayon at a time, Mm -hmm. you know, and eventually through self-advocacy, you'll paint the whole picture and it will be to your benefit in your situation one step at a time.
2: Yeah. And when, when one person kind of fills in those colors one way, someone someplace else might have to fill them in a little differently because it's localized, yeah. you know? Yeah, there's no there's no one right answer. There's no one
1: right way to get communication in your school. So it, it really is gonna have to come down to each individual teacher and taking the tools that, I'm gonna be honest, Anthony compiled, put yeah. together his e- exceptional research, Uh, ability and the way that he writes and the way that he can kind of put things together in a way to build an argument I mean that's really what he did he has built an argument for multiple scenarios for any teacher anywhere in the state of Illinois to walk to take that booklet read through it and go all right I'm gonna try this method because here's one method of argument and the beautiful thing is we're communication teachers and we're good at building arguments. Very, yeah,
0: very good. Uh, it's amazing what you all did. So congratulations! I'll say that. Congratulations! Thank you. Thank, Thank, you. For, Thank you. Coming from three years ago to today, and it's one of those things like, would you do it all over again if you knew what?
1: One hundred percent. I I would, yeah. And I don't know that I'd do it any differently either. I, yeah. I don't. I don't think I'd really look at you know the time when we had colleagues, you know, really, really against our our cause you know where, where we were coming from um, I think there were lessons to learn in that and I think that that caused us to sort of reevaluate and it, it pushed us to these are valid concerns these are real things we have to think about and um, and I, just the perseverance that it it takes to do this uh, and if anybody anywhere wants to accomplish anything like we did it's perseverance and it's not just perseverance of a team or you know being the squeaky wheel with a legislator but it's perseverance within your own community Mm -hmm. to not let go of that goal don't let don't let go of of what is possible because it's it takes a small group of committed individuals to make a difference but you can be part of that you can you can move the barometer and it it is possible.
0: So before I ask you all about how you advocate for it now, it just, in as distilled of uh, description as you can, what does the end product of all this process and compromise, what does the now law actually establish?
3: Okay, so um, there is a special section of the Illinois State School Code dedicated to electives I'm going to put that in quotation marks that you must take. Okay. You must take one year of uh, music, art, vocational education, or foreign language. The presumption being that by taking a year of one of those, you get to pick from the list, but it is mandatory. It will help you get into college, right? It's It's going to meet some sort of college entrance requirement. Uh, the reform bill that had nothing to do with, with us, that Heather referenced earlier, changed graduation requirements in, a multiple, in multiple ways. Students now must take two years of foreign language. That's not an elective option anymore. By doing that, you're taking away four one-semester options for a kid, right? Used to be you'd have pick eight one-semester classes on your own. Now that's restricted the majority of Illinois high school teachers who teach speech and debate have to do so through electives. There are schools like Heather's where it is still required. It's a part of the state's four years of English requirement, but in my school district, the second largest district in the state next to Chicago Public Schools, we're depending on our electives. So what the the bill did was it moved those speech debate electives into that special spot of you must take one year from. Now that uh, foreign language has been put in the requirement category. So we now know, I, I mentioned earlier, like your chance to take electives beyond that magic list has been restricted. Okay? We no longer have to worry about being one of the ones that gets tossed off to the side when a kid wants to take, you know, create writing or. Something that's not on that magical list. What we didn't realize was by being placed on that magical list, teachers in our discipline now have access to money for professional development. And as Heather brought up, schools can now use enrollment from the special list as part of the way a school is evaluated. So there are now huge, and, and uh, you know, Lauren brought to the fold, hey, have you guys heard about career pathways and this movement that schools have in kind of charting the direction a student will take from year one to get them to a special certificate or a special school? Well, because we're now on the special list, speech debate might be a part of any student's pathway. So we kind of, what's the turn of phrase? The cream rises to the top, right? We turned speech into the cream. Yeah. yeah.
2: And I, I think that, you know, Anthony mentioning kind of career pathways, which has has um, trickled down from the college level into some high schools. Um, there's a district up north in Illinois that they, they I mean, I, two years ago they gave at some event, um, a booklet of all their career pathways. I mean, I was like, my God, this is further along than my college is, right? Um, But I think that speaks to also the value of of an endeavor like this with educators from different levels working collaboratively. I think so often what's happening say in higher education at the four-year level is not connected to what's happening in the secondary schools, in the high schools, right? And and we know this. I mean, this is not something new. Um, but working with Heather and Anthony, and again, I come from a, a unique background in some ways because I came out of the high schools and moved to the community college. I'm not, I mean, I'm in, I'm in a higher ed, but I'm in that middle space, transitional space, right? Um, where a lot of students who are moving into higher ed we're we're the stepping stone they're not quite ready to go full-on away to school someplace or to a big you know four-year school um but my perspective and the things that i was seeing at my level and hearing about what was happening with dual credit um and knowing some legislative things with dual credit and talking to Um, faculty members who were speech coaches at tournaments, right, who were saying, here's some things you need to be aware of or we ought to be thinking about. I think that was really valuable because there's places I could connect things because of specifically where I'm situated in higher ed. You know, and I, I think that that sometimes, again, can be a roadblock if, let's say, all your high school teachers are doing one thing and all your Mm four-year teachers are doing something else they're they kind of are in a lane and they're kind of not checking what other lanes around them like what's happening in those lanes you know
0: Mm
2: -hmm. um so that was really valuable and I think that's also where my my personal passion again as a communication educator for providing students with valuable knowledge and skills that I know has implications for them in the workplace because of some of the things I am reading in higher education literature. You know, so for example, um, I want to say it was in 2016, but I'm not positive. Communication education had an article, and it was the second in a series that Sherry Morielli at the NCA National Communication Association had. Written, She had written one 10 years earlier, I think with some other co-authors, but they did research about communication and they looked at 600 different publications, everything from newspapers to journals, right? And everything in between. And they came across, and I don't remember the statistics, how frequently communication is mentioned as, for example, necessary for workplace readiness and workplace success, right? Not a single article talks about where you get the education and communication. Not a single reference to speech educators, to communication educators at any level. And I was mad. Mm-hmm. I mean I read this and I'm like, come on. And this is this is, you know, a journal and a researcher connected with the national organization. And it's that Bald headed stepchild thing, where I was like, "Well, that is not. I am not going to be invisible, right? Like, we need to somehow make ourselves visible." And Anthony and Heather have said, you know, previously that this legislation is a step back from where we were, where we wanted to be. Yeah, you know, we wanted to be a requirement in every high school, and we wanted teachers to
1: be required to get the training, right, to do the work,
2: right, but. Where we are now, okay, okay. so we got a first step. It's codified in the legislation. We are on the map, Mm -hmm. right? At the same time, dual credit legislation is happening that is opening up opportunity. And in my district, as I said, we're just starting this dual credit relationship with um, one particular district. But the problem is that the high school educators don't have the correct credentialing to be able to teach the course the college level course if i had not been in my school they would have had a longer road because they didn't have anybody that could say let me tell you what a high school teacher needs to be certified in and how they get their certification right so th- so again there were all these these little like off ramps on the path we yeah. were on that had implications at the local level so we were kind of doing the up down and sideways through the whole process there's actually
1: i talked about this yesterday in one of the sessions on dual credit there's actually another piece of legislation that just passed it goes into effect in january of 2023 and it amends the dual credit quality act and it opens up it gives teachers a longer time frame to get certified to teach dual credit. And it gives them different options for how to achieve that certification for dual credit. So I know there are schools, there are teachers who are just at our convention who are saying, like, my school wants me to teach dual credit or we really want to start dual credit, but we got to figure out a way. I have a master's in English, but um, in order for me to teach speech, I'm going to have to go and get these other credits. So there are colleges that are... um, Kind of finding ways to facilitate teachers getting those graduate hours that they need in order to teach dual credit so i think that the the confluence of putting speech towards the top getting it you know a space of prominence in the school code um showing teachers hey you can get some money for professional development through the state in order to um to to learn to teach speech and to be an effective communication educator And then the Dual Credit Quality Act, which opens up possibilities for people to teach dual credit, the willingness of community colleges to partner with high schools in order to get some of those initial requirements out of the way for students while still in high school, and then this um, other uh, House bill that passed that kind of changes the electives. I mean, there's so many things legislatively that are, I think, working to the advantage of communication educators in the state of Illinois, and all of those things those other things were not things we set out to do. They just they just have happened, and we have said to our, our um, colleagues at both at our convention, and we've sent it out through our social media um, and through some email communications to all of our membership throughout the state, look, we, these are things that you can do. This is what you can do. Here's your next step. Here's where you go. Here's what you can, here's what's possible. And so I think all of
2: those things are really important to consider as well. And that's, and that's part of what we spent a lot of time at this convention doing was, t- you know, all right, now we have it. Now we have this piece yeah. of legislation, the what's next. what's next. And we've been talking about that the whole time because I said, once this passes, then we have to figure out, okay, what's, what are the next steps? And we know, and I know this from partly from the civics legislation that passed, you know, again, right after Anthony and I had talked to this legislator to get this whole ball rolling. My college, I, I was actually a colleague of mine that knew I was doing this in my own department, called me and said, hey, have you seen this? And she sent me a PDF of a flyer. The college was having, a, like I guess just giving the location, for a civics educator to come to campus, it was a public event, it wasn't a college thing, to talk about the civics legislation. So she said, this seemed like something you should go to. I said, yeah, I go, "That's thank you so much for sharing this. I, I had come across it, but I hadn't read it really. And she said, I'll go with you. And I said, you will? She said, yeah. I said, okay, let's go. So on a Saturday, we went to this little program, And again, there were like, we were two of maybe five or six audience members, right? And I thought, wow, if we weren't here, there would be three people here. (laughs) And the gentleman presenting was from the McCormick Foundation who had funded, um, done some funding for helping with the legislation because they're very committed to civics education. And then there was a woman from a uh, local nonprofit that that supports educators right and so they were talking about much like we're doing right now the process that was used and what happened and what is this legislation going to do one of the audience members was a high school teacher and she raises her hand and she said I don't think anybody in my district knows about this I don't think my department knows about it and I'm a social studies teacher this is the first I'm hearing about this what happens when Schools don't know and don't do what they're supposed to do. And they they said, that's kind of the $64,000 question. He mm-hmm. said, the the reality is there is no one out there who necessarily is looking at every high school in Illinois and going, did they check that box? Yeah. Did they not check that box? There's not a compliance officer, no, unfortunately. No. <laughs> right, 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 unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and so this guy said, this is why we've been doing the kind of out, outreach we're doing and they the funding that was provided by the McCormick Foundation was for professional development. So they had created some kind of academy type thing. And so again, I in the back of my head I'm like, "Oh. Okay, well somewhere down the line apparently yeah. we're going to try to do the same thing and we've talked about how do we take this show on the road? How do you, you know, and, and during COVID, one of the things that I think was hugely advantageous was just learning how to leverage some of the technology to be able to communicate with people across the state, right? Even in our own association, um, this is right before COVID, um, I was on the board and there was a huge snowstorm the weekend that we were supposed to have a board meeting. And I said, I have a Zoom account, how about we meet by Zoom? It was the first time we'd ever done it, right? So this was in January of 2020. we did it, and we all laughed about it. we're like, "Well, I'm sitting in my living room right now with four four and a half feet of snow outside my yeah. window, and thank God I didn't have to drive to wherever we were gonna drive yeah. to for the meeting. Or, you know, people were like, "I wouldn't have made it, mm-hmm. right? And here we were. We had our meeting, and I, I remember getting off the meeting. I was like, that's the last time we will ever have to drive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. to go to these meetings. And now I, we, I mean, we to, to even um, do our convention this year, the planning committee, had Zoom meetings every Thursday night mm-hmm. for months. So, right.
1: so unknown advantages of COVID. It clarified the language of the bill, and we all learned how to use Zoom. Yeah, <laughs> we got to willing. we got to you know get a little more tech savvy.
2: But that, but that was the I think um, one of the hurdles that we had for years and years and years, even in as an association, was our state is very literally population top heavy. You know, up at the, where I live in the Burbs, where Anthony lives in the Burbs, you know, we have a lot of people and we connect with a lot of people. You get to where Heather is, things are a little more spread out. You go further south, things are really spread out. And again, one of the um, people that we talked to early in the process was um, a director of curriculum and instruction in a district up here who we, I knew through ICTA, who also happened to be the president of the Illinois Community College Board. So when, again, it was one of these like, so I know Las Lopez, should I call him? they were like, yes, call him. Yeah, we did a lot of that. Like, I think I know someone who, right. So it was just always being open to that relationship building. And I remember him saying one of the advantages of this bill was for rural schools. Mm -hmm. He said, because those schools can't afford to hire a speech teacher or sometimes run a speech program. But if they have an English language arts teacher that could get certified, then they can offer speech. Or if if that person could just get some professional
1: development because you don't need, like Illinois says, you don't have to have like a special speech certificate or like a gold stamp on your license. Um, So if they can just get some professional development where they can feel comfortable teaching the coursework, really, that's all they, that's what they need. So that's what, you know, we're, that's one of our focuses to, to provide that for people. There was a woman yesterday in our advocacy session who said, I want to teach debate, but I'm like, I really don't know wouldn't really know where to start to teach that. So if this could be something that my students could take to fulfill one of those new requirements, I'm not really sure where to go. And then Anthony said, well, the beautiful thing is there's some money for PD that you have access to. And then you have a support system built into the state organization to get that help. Um, to, to feel comfortable and confident and in teaching um, curriculum that you're perhaps less um, familiar with and she teaches speech right now but she said just to teach debate she'd never coached it so you know that's the beautiful thing about a state organization is you get the the networking you meet the people who can help you um, you get resources and uh, you, you just have you have the support that you need to be a good and effective teacher no matter what content area you're
2: teaching. doesn't really matter. And you said find your friendlies. Yeah, that was one thing. And find the people in other disciplines who might be teaching. So we know that social studies teachers or political science professors at the college level teach argumentation and debate. Mm -hmm. Do they teach it the same way we do? No, not necessarily. But if you, again, befriend those people, you say, hey, so I've got this Thing I'm going to try to teach and I know you teach argumentation and debate in your classes or you're using debate. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing. Now you're building a relationship and again making some of those bridges and that becomes an opportunity for collaboration. And I I think, as I said before, like
1: you're looking to make incremental change in your local district. That's one way you can make incremental change. That's one way that a speech teacher, a debate teacher, a communication educator can find a way to make incremental change in their own home district to find that that in and where you can support other teachers in other disciplines. To say, hey, let me—I can help you with that, or I'd love to partner. I'd love to share uh, some information with you, or an assignment, or can we can we find a way to work together? And little by little, communication and in- instructors become, um, you know, at the forefront, at the center of mm-hmm. of teaching kids those necessary skills. I mean, we call them soft skills, but they're really not soft skills. They're so, so necessary. But the teaching kids those skills that they need to be competent, uh, creative, and, um, and thoughtful adults in a, in a civic society. You know, we really need people who are working towards that in every school all across the state. It starts with the communication educator.
0: So you've created some resources that I'm gonna make available if you have the digital. Well,
3: and version. I'm gonna to add to them uh, based on some of the things that came out of our sessions. My plan, I at the start of this project, when it was, hey, we should take some of these things that we're creating and put them out on the internet, right? Put them on the ICTA webpage. And I said, I'm not comfortable with that yet just because I need to feel like this part of the journey is over and so this particular resource is ready to go. We have a, uh, a, a booklet we put together on how the bill works with all of the research that's attached to it, kind of a timeline of what happened with speech in Illinois. My plan is to talk to Ed who does some of that stuff for us and get that on our website. That we uh, put together another uh, booklet of ways that you can work with like it's broken down into chapters, right? Chapter one, if you're a high school teacher dealing with this particular law, here are the people you need to talk to in the language you need to use. But from there on, there's a whole how to have a 10 minute meeting, how to uh, create a coalition out of uh, parents and stakeholders, how to plan for this, that, and the other thing, along with some resource articles you can bring to the table depending on who you're talking to. And I wanna add to it because one person yesterday said, hey, I'm gonna send this to you. But once that last resource is in there, I hope that we can put that on the website too as well. And so obviously I'll send it to you as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll have it
0: available where this podcast is available. Hopefully that'll help you all. And if someone can hear this, that'll help spread what happened and what's next and how others can maybe replicate this in their states. Yep.
3: Well, I was getting dressed this morning for this and it was a story I hadn't thought about in years in 2010 when we had the you know economic meltdown and the housing bubble burst and i was among a thousand teachers in my district that got laid off i know that the layoffs for educators were massive statewide and there were the ift illinois federation of teachers and the iea all got together and said we're going to have a political activism day we're going to try to get as many teachers as we can to go down to the state capitol and march Right? So we marched down Springfield waving signs and one of my colleagues whom I had gone down there with was able to make an appointment with our state legislator. And again, I haven't thought about this in years. So we were allowed to go into the Capitol, right? protesters but not protesting and screaming. And we got me and two other colleagues who I used to work with get in this elevator. And somebody comes running to the elevator to catch it at the last minute. And it was Mike Madigan, okay, who, <laughs> you know, long time, was he secretary or he was the, he was the speaker. speaker, speaker of the house, okay, yeah. kind of, kind of an infamous chilly fellow. And we had to go up to the second or third floor. And so there's this quiet in the elevator as he's standing there, his back to us. And he turned around and he looked at us and he goes, do you really think you three teachers are going to make any difference here? And so I like hadn't thought about that in years until you know, preparing for this. I'm like, you know, 12 years later, I think the answer is yes.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> yeah, we made a difference. Yeah. We made a difference. Yeah. 100%. That's awesome.
0: I, I think that would be even a great way to, to end. <laughs> <laughs> i just ask each of you if you have any closing thoughts or statements that you want to? put out
1: there I think my closing thought is I'm not done I'm not done I won't stop this does not end it doesn't end with the governor's signature I think um, it it doesn't end there it doesn't end in Illinois and we're gonna keep on working I'm determined and I am not going to let speech communication communication on the whole fall by the wayside. We need it now more than ever. We need speech teachers. We need kids who know how to communicate. We need kids who feel confident in their ideas and their thoughts to be a part of an involved democracy. And we are, we
2: will be there. I think I have a couple final thoughts actually. so as the person who's getting close to retiring, um, I get a lot of people saying, no, don't go, right? <laughs> Which um, is, is beautiful. I mean, it really, it's very, I always feel very loved when people say that, right? Um, and I keep saying, I'm not really going away. People, the weird thing is people will ask you, are you moving? <laughs> <laughs> No, I I don't. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, I'm not moving. I'm not going anywhere. My family's here, and my my roots are here. I'm very. I feel very deeply rooted to Illinois. Like I don't. I'm not one of those people who ever had the desire, like I need to go someplace else, right? Um, But over the course of this weekend, I I really thought about my involvement with this association, right? And I told this story in one of the sessions that. My mentor um, was someone who is, lives large in our organization. She died in 2008 um, from a long-term illness, but, and she was still fairly young. Um, but her legacy has lived large. And when I was in college, and I was in college with several other people, including Susie so you Noblock, know, we, we were in the same class, and she runs our Illinois High School State Association for Speech and Fate. Um, Connie Link, who was my uh, cooperating teacher, came to our class. Our college professor brought her in to talk to us about two things, being a, a a member of the union and being a professional educator. And she gave us the history of unions and talked specifically about why as a teacher a union was necessary and why you needed to be involved in your union, right? And what what it meant to have collective action. And I, and I don't think about that on a daily basis, but boy, have I thought about it in the last couple of years, quite a lot. And the th- second thing she said was, if you're a professional educator, you join your state association and you become active. And she was a one woman freight train on getting people on board, right? and that is it impacted me so prolifically and that's what i why i want to stay involved because i want to continue to encourage other teachers to be professionally active and to be able to work with heather and anthony on this endeavor right and again it's a first step i keep thinking well what's the next and where do we go from here and it's this is not paid work. This is not anything anybody does because you're somebody's giving you an external reward. It really does cr- come from the center of who we are. And I am very, very concerned about the state of education and teachers burning out fast. So I also think that when, when you're engaged in work like this, you create a network and you create a support system so that when something happens, you have people to call. And, and I don't want to not be a part of that. So I'm really actually excited to see how this is going to evolve. So for anybody out there, <laughs> get involved in your professional state association. Connect with other educators. Bring people in because we need each other, especially
3: right now. You've heard us, uh, all of us have made at least one comment about, hey, I know someone, should I give them a call? Hey, I I had this connection. But never was it a situation where we called in a favor, right? It was Mm -hmm. always calling to ask questions. And so I am as passionate about keeping this train going as much as Heather and Lauren, Heather especially. (laughs) But by the same token, we're... We keep telling our kids they need to be lifelong learners. And I think in conjunction with that passion, we have to keep asking questions, right? Mm-hmm. Staying, saying up to date on future changes that might knock this bill, this legislation, pass legislation down a few pegs. We got to keep our eye on it and we have to ask questions, things that can be done to improve. We need all the connections that we made through this process. Obviously, keeping them uh, as our collaborators, but just always asking questions to learn uh, about that which we're going to fight. Thank you all. Heather, Lauren, Anthony, thank you for everything you do
0: as educators and everything you do above and beyond that. It's it's been a pleasure and glad we were able to do this update and that it's been a positive update. Thank you all again. Thank Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank okay.